Well, happy Father's Day to you. You made it to Open Life today, Father's Day 2018. And we're going to share a talk we think will encourage all of us to be better humans, but particularly zone in on the fathers today and really equip and encourage you to make a huge impact. How many of you have seen the show Fixer Upper? You've seen or heard of this little show with Chip and Joanne Gaines. Okay, how many men have actually seen the show in the room? Raise your hands proud. Come on, come on. You know, some of us have a little bit of a man crush going, right? Because, like, if you could be that goofy, anybody that can get away with that many, like, dad jokes and still be popular, I mean, you've got to just be proud of the guy. And uh, he's just real down-to-earth, a great couple. But his favorite day, as they've coined over their seasons of Fixer Upper, uh, his favorite day in the process of flipping a house for someone is the day where they demolish a house and knock down walls, tear down cupboards, crush through tile. I mean, who wouldn't like that? In fact, I had the thought while I was preparing the talk that next Father's Day we should bring in one of those cars and a sledgehammer and you just like get free wax at it. So if anybody has a car they would love to hit with a sledgehammer, you know, save it till next year, talk to me, okay? But anyway, we are, um, maybe we could get like the Bonnie Lake Police Department to just bring one of their cars. We could take all of our tickets out, all of our frustrated speeding, oh, I'm the only one, never mind. Uh, So no, it's all good, it's all good. We could have some fun, but demo day is this coined phrase, because he just likes breaking things. And, and he's goofy that way, so he'll be silly about it, and it's a funny show, but Demo Day. And when you start to think about what that means in our life, like God values Demo Day as well. In fact, there are some passages that speak directly towards us knocking some things down in our life and building some things up in our life. And so I want to look here at 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. It says this, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Man, knock down the proud things, the obstacles. Ecclesiastes says it this way in 3, 1 through 8. There's a time for everything, it's it's titled. For everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, a time to turn away, a time to search, a time to quit searching, a time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear, and or tear, tear, <laughs> wow, that was funny, a time to tear, and a time to mend, I like read it so many times, a time to be quiet, and a time to speak A time to love and a time to hate, a time to war and a time for peace. There is a time for everything. And there is a time, and maybe this is a time, where we can look at our lives and say, I should really tear this down. 
Like, if I'm honest, if I'm being genuine with myself, and I stop covering, covering it up, I should tear this down, and in its place, build something up that gives life. In order to be a good father, you need to be a great human. So that's why this talk does apply to everybody. But we want to zone in. We want to put the crosshairs, if you will. We want to focus in on the fathers today. What can we specifically do to be better humans? The big question today is what needs fixed up in your life? See what we did there with fixer up? Okay, anyway. Uh, You know, what needs fixed up in your life? I mean, some things need torn down, and I don't know if you've ever gone to the police and fire day here in Bonnie Lake, and and they'll they'll example how they extract someone from a broken car, and they'll destroy one of their own cars or whatever in the back parking lot with the jaws of life. What do you need to just pry out of your world? That's kind of their version of demo day, right? But in Fixer Upper, what they're demoing is houses. And when you watch the show, something very interesting happens. Joanna Gaines is the designer. She'll walk into sometimes scary looking houses and she'll just go, well, what I would do here is I would knock out that and I would remove it and I'd put a window there and then this would be tile and there would be a beam and, you know, you're just going, how does she see this? She's like, oh, that wall is in the wrong spot. We need to push that back. And if she looked at your house, the house that houses the Holy Spirit, you as a human, as a father, what walls would she say need to be torn down? What adjustments would be made? Would it just be a touch-up of paint, or would it be, man, that, you know what? The entire structure of this house has had some damage to it, and we need to knock that beam out somehow. I love Chip's reaction. I was like, what? Like, that's going to be expensive. And some of the changes are. In fact, one of the other things they do that I appreciate about the show is they name the house. They'll always name the house. You know, this is the the yellow room house. And then they'll go, you'll know why we're naming it that when we get inside. And you get inside and it looks like a banana had children, you know. It's like, wow. And it's crazy. And you, you watch this show and it's pretty... It's pretty funny the names they come up with. But what would they name your house? You. Would it be, this is the temper house. Would it be, this is the critic's dwelling. Would it be, it's all about me mansion. The house of the unloved. The promises broken house. You'll understand when we get inside, right? When we really get inside ourselves and look, are there things like that that need to be torn down? Here's the good news. I've never seen a show, a fixer-upper, where they're like, yowie. This one, we can't, we just can't do it. 
In fact, I've seen them pretty much, and you ask, why remodel that? I think you took it all the way down to the foundation, right? But they do. They just like get rid of everything and build something incredible back up. And that's us. Like God looks at us and he's like, there's nothing here that can't be repurposed. There's nothing here that isn't going to be useful for accomplishing what I've called them to accomplish. In fact, I can do this, 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 and this, and we're like, use me, Lord. That's what he sees when he looks at us. Yeah, maybe a wall needs to be torn down here and something else built up. But the reality is none of us are beyond fixing up. So four things we must tear down and things to build up in their place that we're going to hone in on. Maybe the, some top four, you could say, thoughts for us. Number one, or the first thought, tear down criticism, build up encouragement. It's easy to be a critic, right? Ephesians 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It's hard to grasp the power of our words as a father. Even as Dave said in worship, it, it, just watching the example of our kids and just how much they emulate what we do. Like they just totally mimic it as a father to your kids. And sometimes maybe you've got a rhythm for sarcasm and then a child tries it and they don't quite have the right rhythm. Have you ever experienced that? And they make the like sarcasm joke at the wrong time and it comes across brutal. And you're like, oh shoot, I think I, I, think I taught them that, right? And now they just hurt somebody. But it's, it's, you gotta be careful with that. But the reality is our words carry such weight and we often come across as discouraging critics to our children instead of raving fans. I mean, think about it. Report cards come home, all A's, one B. What do we mention first? <laughs> Isn't that crazy to think? It's like, all A's, one B. Man, you did so good, and I'm so proud of you. This is amazing. Six A's, yes. We don't tend to do that. We're like, hey, what? Well, what happened with PE? How do you even get a B in PE, right? It's like, is this, is this not picking on any particular kids in the room? It's like, I had 4.0 until I took PE. <laughs> That's dodgeball's brutal. Do we remember the touchdowns or the interceptions? Do we remember how the last few Mariners seasons went, or do we focus on this one? <laughs> the last few. I've still yet to watch a full game. I'm just like, this is not This is no way this is going to last. When does it fall apart? I'm just brutal. I'm being honest. Do we remember the hundreds of hours our kids drove great, or the one time they hit something, right? And it's just like, well, see that dent right there? Right? Uh, proud dad moment. My twins got their driving test passed this week. They, uh, they, they did it. They were nervous. They went out. Their average score was 99%. See what I did there? I didn't like elevate the one over the other that got the 100. Anyway, so the, uh, uh, 
They're battling it out. I got a better score on the drive. I got a better score on the written. I'm like, I drive with you. <laughs> I'm just saying. And you're amazing. That's, you're doing awesome. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. We're easy to point out the moments that we thought we were going to die. Driving up from South Prairie, going a little fast on the corners. And instead of all the times, it's like, man, you remember when I was going down the freeway in between two semis and I kept a straight line? I'm very thankful, very thankful. Priuses are small. So it's just realizing what are we focusing in on? It's possible to encourage performance and potential without being a critic. And... Uh, the human psyche actually responds better to encouragement, to pointing out the positive. The first time I was really exposed to that is I was reading The Five Love Languages. I don't know if you've read that book by Gary Chapman, but I was reading that and it was talking about, man, nagging doesn't work. Like you can point out what hasn't been done and what hasn't been done and what hasn't been done and what hasn't been done. But if you would instead focus in on, man, I'm so thankful that you've done this that I asked you to do, thank you again for doing that, then the psyche will think, oh, then I need to do more to get this encouragement. And it'll open up and it'll expand brain wit. It's interesting, this study says in the book uh, Social Intelligence, New Science of Human Relationships by Daniel Goleman, he explains the heightened Prefrontal frontal activity, which is associated with positive emotions, enhances me- mental abilities such as creative thinking, cognitive flexibility, and the processing of information. The left prefrontal area of our brains, which lights up with activity when we're in a positive mood, is also associated with rem- reminding us of the good feelings we'll have when we reach long-term goals. If we encourage, it actually encourages us to pursue more. Opens us up to do better in tests. Opens us up to do better in life. So, man, you're going to nail that driving test. You're going to do awesome. You know this. You've done great in practice. Works. It opens up the mind. It opens up the creativity. It allows thought to occur. But if we're like, man, I just remember that one time you hit the curb. I'm so nervous today. For you, Whew. this is not a big dent in the car yet, but I, today might, oh man, might be the day. <laughs> then I think maybe the drive test might go worse because it tense, tensions up. That's just the reality of like science. Some would say by encouragement on the positive, you'll uh, instead of the, the, the negative, like if you focus on the positive grades, all grades will rise. If you focus on the strengths, you'll become stronger instead of focusing, man, I'm just going to try to strengthen all my weaknesses. I'm going to spend all my energy on my weaknesses. Well, and that's just this reverse mindset of, no, let's, let's go after the positive. And the good thing is, we can be honest, but we can be on the optimistic side of honesty. Like, How does this meal taste? Is this good, Dad? I made this just for you. This is food. It's edible. It's uh, it's got seasoning. Do you like it? 
if I were on an island alone and needed sustenance, I may eat this. Yes, you know, I don't know. If somebody served me cantaloupe, I would just be truthful and say, this is awful. I just got to tell you, this fruit is of the devil and it should never be eaten. That's what I'd say something along those lines. But if we can encourage the positive, I think it would make a huge impact around us. It'll make you feel better. And you can watch the demeanor of your kids, fathers, when you take the path of criticism, even unintentionally. You say something out of reaction versus response, and you watch their demeanor. Don't we feel awful in those moments? Hopefully we do. But it's just like, oh, that's a great time for an apology. And then to sow into encouragement the seven things you have to build up for everyone you tear down. Thought two, tear down pride, build up patience. Do those two really go together, right? You might be thinking, I believe so. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. This link between patience and pride is important to grasp because more often than not, the reason we lose our patience is because of how we think it's making us look, this scenario we're facing. Have you ever said to your children, you're embarrassing me? I, I know I have. I've been in various moments. And it's not just when they're a little screaming in the grocery store and you're like, I am that parent right now, and I, I'm not really caring because I have things to shop for, right? It's like, you could throw a fit. I'm still not buying that for you. No means no, you know? And you, you kind of work your way through the store. I'm challenged because sometimes I have verbalized, come on, as they, especially as they get older. You're embarrassing me right now. Well, what's that about? That's more my pride than what I'm trying to call up and out of my children. And if I can hone in on that little wall and knock it down and expand my perspective a little bit, I'll look at what can I do to help exit this moment and teach and train so that it doesn't happen again and whatever it is that's... My real feeling is embarrassment, but how do I lead towards the positive of this? How do I become patient and consider the moment? How can I respond patiently even though this is embarrassingly public right now? What impact would it have if I deal with this kindly? Love is patient and kind. It's not proud. It's often we, we feel our spouse or kids make us look. It's how we think it makes us look that makes us lack patience. And so we just try to stop it. Not right now. We're going to church. Shh. Hey, everything's great. Whoa, awesome. You know, because we don't want to walk in. You should have seen the car. How are you doing? Well, were you in the car? <laughs> wow. One of those. Those happen. Those do happen. Um. But the truth is, we try to put on a happy face and things aren't always great. We need to realize, how do I deal with this in a patient perspective, come back to it before I go nutso? 
Let them strike out. Let them mess up. Be patient. <laughs> I have to tell myself over and over again, sports are fun environment for this, to observe like this as a lesson. What is it like to watch your kids strike out? And you're like, they have two coaches. So Preston just finished baseball. He has two coaches on the field. They've coached him how to swing, how to run the bases, where to throw the ball, all that. So I'm on the side. My job as a dad is to cheer him on. But there's that tempt to, you know, you see him, he's two strikes in, and you're like, okay, but choke up on the bat. You know, you want to say something from the side, you're like, hold off, let the coach coach. And then you hear the coach, hey, just choke up on the bat a little. And I'm like, yes, I was patient enough to, to be quiet because really I'm a distraction if I'm becoming an additional coach. My job as a parent is to go, proud of you. Did you have fun? Yeah. Way to go. It's more fun to win, but you know, uh, sow that into them as well. You know, you go to a production and it's like, let the director direct. You go to a choir thing, let the well, let the choir director guide them how to sing. It's not mine to go up and say, you know, let's do a different song here if we could. You know, if we, let's work this in. You guys sing alto. You guys sing soprano. That would be crazy. But we do it with sports. We do it in life all the time. We kind of butt in where we're not. And let's be patient and let kids learn. Let's let them make mistakes. And let's help them lead through that. Do we want our children to experience living so they can become the best version of themselves or are we trying to build our own glory through them? Right? We need to check our heart and see what's our motivation. What's our motivation? Thought three. Tear down silence. Build up love. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son in the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Love is an expression, right? It's something we have to show and speak, especially when we know somebody's love language. Do they need encouraging words? Speak encouraging words. Do they need acts of service? Serve them. Do they need tangible gifts? Because that tells them their love. Give them gifts that they value. Do they need touch? Then give them some hugs. Pat on the head. Whatever it is that they need. We've got to figure that out and express Love, not just have love, but express love. How many times have I sat across a table from somebody in tears years into trying to hear the words, I love you, from their father? 
If only I could hear my dad say once, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Man, and you're just like, I personally don't relate because I try to say that all the time to my kids. But I know it exists, and I know people go through pain. We need to tell our children we love them. We need to write to our children we love them. We need to show them we love them through our behaviors and what we do. And it'll make a massive difference. In fact, if you can think right now, man, if I, how long has it been since I've told my kids I love them? How long has it been since I've told my wife I love her out loud? And true love is not words alone. It comes with all kinds of actions, right? It shows up. It chooses to cheat for love. There's a book out there called Choosing to Cheat, and it talks about, man, there's times when, when you just have to escape this thing that looks more important to everybody in your world and say, if I'm going to choose to cheat, I'm not going to cheat my family because I have another meeting. I'm going to cheat my meeting for my family. How does that work? I was listening to a leadership podcast, and they were interviewing Brian Houston, pastors of this small little church called Hillsong, and uh, it's all around the world, and he travels all the time, and you're, and you're looking at his family, and all of his kids serve the Lord, they're pastors, they're doing worship, or, or whatever, and you're just going, people will ask, well, how did you prioritize life so that your kids would be following Jesus now? A lot of pastors' kids are so mad at the church, how did you do this? And he would he answered in a way that I was just like, yes. He's like, I don't, I'm not the guy that has this list like faith, family, work. You know, this, he didn't have this hierarchical like these are the top three things. He's like, it's all like we're in this whole thing together. We're going to do life together. We're going to serve together. We're going to go to church together. We're going we're gonna to go to each other's games together. We're going to do life as a family. And you watch. And he's like, he's like, I will at times just do things to show how much of a priority my family is. He's like, I remember one time there was a critical board meeting. We were talking about whether we should purchase some land or not. And I knew that my son, and, and they're from Australia, he's like, has a rugby game at the same time, and, and I was like, this is a critical board meeting to be in, but it's also, I think if it was, it's like the first rugby game or the final rugby game of the season and the playoffs, and he's like, so I told my board I was going to hop out of that meeting for a time, go see some of that game to be present and show up and show that I'm proud of my son, and then I came back to the board meeting, and I was like, Yes, I want that option. That's, that's what I choose, right? I want to be able to pick up the phone. When I see my kids call and I'm in a meeting, I'm often, or my wife, I'm like, I'm going to get this. I've heard stories of people that have done that while in meetings with presidents. My family's calling. Josh McDowell tells the story of being in a car with the President of the United States and them saying, and his phone ringing, and it was one of his daughters, 
and he said, excuse me for a moment, to the President of the United States, answered the call, and when he turned around, the President, they had, they'd stopped, and the President exited, and the assistant that was in the car, one of the guys was like, how could you do that to the President? You took a call. And he's like, well, I always take a call for my kids. Later on, he received a note from the president of appreciation and how convicting it was that he would answer the phone for his kid. And he tells that story. I'm just going, yes, I want to be that dad. We glean these things over a lifetime because they are things that show and express love. Ephesians 5.25 says, For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be, a whole, will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. I remember doing a daily devotional that was written by the Dobsons, and it talked about over and over again for 365 days. Dana and I read it together, and we were like, it just continually said the most important love that we can give our kids is as a spouse, our love for one another. The security that gives our kids. And the same for others. When we, love, when we demonstrate love for others, the security that gives our family. When we get good at loving it brings so much comfort into the home. On the other side, when we're silent about our love, it brings insecurity into the room, into the family, into the home. It brings cl closed-offness, you know, standoffish environment when we're not good at sharing our love. So if you're, this is you and you're like, man, I, I guess I, I could get better at this. It goes on to say in Ephesians 6, 1, it says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Being silent, being cold with our love is a form of provocation. It provokes our family. It brings a tension into the room that God never intended. And if we sense, man, I have this mm, with my kids, what happens if we do good to them, if we start to show them love, if we start to serve them? What happens on the other side? I believe something in our soul will happen that is powerful beyond measure. Final thought, thought four. Tear down promises and build up practices. 
James 5.12 says, But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no. Say a simple yes or no. Other translations will say, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So that you will not sin and be condemned. Empty promises often lead to empty hearts. Again, uh, provoked child upset because their dad wasn't in the crowd. When maybe the reason they're doing whatever they're doing is for the very desire for affection from their dad. Man, he'll be proud of me this time. So I'm going to. Right? And all they're wanting to hear is applause. They're wanting to hear, you did great. Proud of you. I love you. Hollywood loves to pick on this one because it's easy to pick on. How many movies do you see the dad missed the big game? I don't, have you seen the, the version of Hook with Robin Williams and his son? This is one of the main tensions in the whole storyline of the movie is, is yeah, I'm going to be there at your game. I'm going to be there at your game. And the son, he even did something to kind of be present. He looks up and he sees one of his dad's employees there with a video camera. And he's like, my dad's not going to make it again, even though he promised so the trick here is you want to be present. You want, to pr- you want the practice of present to be something in your world. But on the other side, you want to be honest and not make an empty promise. Yeah, 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 sure, I'm going to be at your field day at school. And then not show up and later say, ah, I got caught in a meeting. So... What are those moments? What do those moments look like that we can make a promise? Hey, I'm going to catch, like I, I did this for a bunch of Preston's baseball games. Buddy, I'm going to be there for the first two innings, okay? Because I had meetings. And I'd be like, I'll be there for the first two innings. Is that cool? Yeah, Dad. Instead of, man, I'm, I'm going I'm to be at your game. No worry. And then he sees me leave. What would that do? Or practice presence. Because another fault we see, easy to pick on, is present in body but not spirit, right? There was a family at some of the baseball games, and one of the games or more of the games, the father was literally on his phone the entire time, not sure he ever looked up at the game. And you just go, what is that doing to the children. Like, what is that doing to their child? How could we be the fathers that would be present in mind and body and heart if we could practice being present and not make empty promises? And if we commit to something, show it up. (laughs) Oh, man, may it be said of us one day, he never made false promises. He had the practice of showing up when you thought it would be impossible. That's the kind of dads that can turn around a nation that has issues with their fathers. And it's not just for our own children. We need to be fathers to a lot of fatherless people out there. Because as Dave reminded us in worship, 
God is a father to the fatherless. You know who he uses? Fathers to demonstrate love to our kids and to open our arms to take in others. It's one of the most beautiful things that can be done. Is to compliment the kids around us. To love all the kids. To serve well those that we rub shoulders with, that we coach, that we see in our neighborhood. I mean, do we show the love of a father to all? Because we should start to share that love. Begin to open up our lives. So the challenge today is for you to write in your own action thought. The action you can take this week, begin building, and there's an underline. What do you need to begin to build? Do you need to build your encouragement? Is that what wall you're building up in this house you're fixing? Do you need to build patience because you're so quick sometimes to just lose it? Do you need to build love? Do you recognize, man, I probably, honestly, if I'm being honest with myself and genuine, I probably don't say I love you enough. And I'm going to get better at that. I'm going to start to do that. I'm going to set a goal to do that. Or maybe you don't show it, you just say it or feel it. Begin building practices. Begin building positive practices of being truthful and saying, you know, honestly, that game I'm going to miss that weekend but I'm going to make sure and be at the following one I don't know let's not make empty promises let's show our love let's be encouragers not only of our own kids but those around us let's be humans with these qualities all of us right because it will positively impact the community around us can I pray for you today God, I thank you for the fathers that made it today to Open Life and those that are going to listen to the message archive after this. I just pray that you would lift us up as fathers. That, God, you would challenge us to be faithful in these things. That we would not be critics, we would be encouragers. That we would not be quick to react, but we would respond patiently. That we, Lord, would be those who could love in such a genuine way that our kids could articulate, no, I know my, my, my father loves me because he said it here, he did this here. Lord, may it be said of us that we have the positive practice of being present even when it seemed impossible. That we would choose to cheat other things and not our family. And that that demonstration to those around us who long for a father would be something that they would emulate in their future. Let us be great fathers. But Lord, let us, all of us in this room, be great humans. We are the house, the temple of your Holy Spirit. And for those that are here that have yet to choose to follow Jesus, they too can have their life fixed up. And if you're here today and you're saying, man, I do not know Jesus personally and I want to grow in a relationship with him. I want to choose to follow Jesus and have him live in my heart and transform this life. Then simply pray this prayer with me. Jesus, come into my life. I want you to take that which is needing fixed 
and help me do the work with you as I grow in relationship with you. And God, I pray that as we all leave here today, we would be genuine with ourselves, look in the mirror and say, I can improve in this. And that we would begin a plan of action that a year from now, we're realizing not only did we demonstrate great fathering to our own family, but we became a demonstration of loving father to all those around us. Use us in the culture we live in today. In your name we pray. Amen.